You are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Welcome uh, via video, um, Amherst Christian Church. They are um, have the opportunity to be watching this, and so we just want to welcome them. You know, we realize that even though we're Grace Capital Church, that we have a family of churches around this state that have the same mission to uh, see Jesus' name proclaimed. So can you just give Amherst Christian Church a big round of applause? Thank you guys for watching with us. <clears throat> Well, if you've you've been journaling with us, hopefully you guys have been going, journaling through God's Word. Um, It's been a great, great um, opportunity for all of us to be in God's Word on a regular basis together. So we've been cruising through... um, uh, First Timothy is this week is what we've been through, and today I'm going to be um, speaking on First Timothy. If you're uh, newer with us, or maybe you missed what we were doing, um, we are journaling together, and then whoever is communicating on the given, whether it's Thursday night or Sunday night. Well, Thursday has been a little bit different because we have some uh, guest communicators, but um, Sunday definitely we will pick up a uh, message from the things that we've been journaling, give you some context in um, history to that. So um, in 1 Timothy, I want to let you know, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul's letter, and you can turn with me to your, uh, in your Bibles to 1 Timothy. Uh, this is Paul's letter uh, to Timothy. Now, Timothy is a kind of protege or mentee of Paul's. Paul, um, he saw this young Timothy who was passionate, passionate for Jesus. And he met um, his mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. And there's this like great um, history of, of these people who are passionate. And, and Paul goes, Timothy, I, I want you to kind of work with me. And so Paul has these workers um, that join him. There's Barnabas, there's Silas, and then there's Timothy. Well, what has happened is there's trouble in Ephesus. Now, we talked about actually in the book of Ephesians uh, was the church that Paul was addressing a letter to the church, the early church, from his missionary journeys um, and and now he's realizing that there's some trouble in Ephesus. People are coming up with some weird ideas um, about who God is. It's like you can't marry, or like they're putting these weird stipulations on on people. And and Paul goes, "We've got troubles. Timothy, would you go?" And so he sends Timothy, young Timothy to Ephesus, and while Timothy is there, he writes a letter to Timothy giving some instruction to that church. So this is what 1 Timothy is about. Now this is probably eight years after Paul in one of his missionary journeys was in Ephesus, and so just give you some context of how much time has taken place. This is also about 60 years um, after Jesus left this earth-ish, and um, and so again, just kind of putting some context. By the way, um, um, in case you missed it, uh, Ephesus is, if you this picture this as Turkey, right, Mediterranean's over here, You're, Ephesus is here, and, uh, and what we're finding is actually Timothy uh, was from another uh, town, from another little city, just a little bit into there. Again, Turkey is where he was from, and so, so here we have this modern-day Turkey, the city of Ephesus, Timothy goes over there to try to um, 
bring the church back into order. Now, one of the things that um, that Paul tells T- um, Timothy in his letter is in First Timothy chapter two, and this is what we're going to go over together. He says that in First Timothy chapter two says this, verse 1. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now this is really important. So first of all, all people. Then he goes into for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every in every way. Then he goes on to say, this is good and is pleasing in the sight of our God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So here we have Paul is beginning to tell the the church that it's important to, by the way, when it goes prayer, supplication, intercession, you need to kind of know what those words are. So intercession is is this idea that um, on behalf of somebody else, so when we pray intercessory prayers, we're praying on behalf of somebody else. Or when we go into this idea of supplication, that word is to make an appeal. And so we're appealing God on, on behalf of a situation. So he's asking us, now remember, when Ephesus would have been under Roman occupation, and the Romans were not necessarily good rulers. So you would think that um, Paul would be saying, hey, uh, Timothy, make sure you tell the church to resist the government. But he doesn't say that. He says, pray. Pray for the kings and those who are in high positions. Um, Today, uh, I shouldn't say today, this week, we know that our president, President Trump, announced that he's going to be running for uh, re-election. He's going to join the 24 Democrats that are also um, uh, campaigning and going to be running to take that position as a president. So Republican or Democrat, whichever one that you affiliate with, we have to say that our current leader is President Trump, and our responsibility is to what? Is to pray, is to pray. Now, I do know that you are going to um, have some stirrings, because our president sometimes will say things that might get you a little aggravated, or might get you a little stirred up, or you're going to have some Democrats that are going to say some things when you're campaigning. It is going to be really easy for you to want to have your opinion known. Facebook, bloop. And I'll tell you, I want to encourage you. I'm going to bring some appeal to you, or I'm going to make a supplication appeal to say, please resist that temptation. I would rather you, the moment you start getting inside, stirred on the inside, instead of going, that you go, hey, maybe I'll just pray right now. 
Maybe I'll just pray right now. Because our prayers change things and our, our Facebook posts don't. <laughs> so they only stir, and the enemy can use that to get us so off track and uh, distracted. All right, so we good on that one? Because guess what? We're going to have a good year and a half of, of this for the next little bit. So I just want to catch you on the front end to get you prepared. And by the way, I don't, I'm not on Facebook a lot, but I, I do have an account. I occasionally check, so I'll be checking up on you. <laughs> No pressure. Just to being a good pastor. All right. So moving along, though, I want to let you know what is the purpose of government. Government is ordained by God, by the way, to pres for the preservation of good and to keep out evil. That is God's design for government. God established it and has a plan for it, and he has ordained it to keep evil out and to uphold good. The evil that government allows, history will show us time and time again, you might be a student of this or not, but I wanna let you know, the evil that the government allows will destroy the government that will allow it. Let me say that again. The evil the government allows will destroy the government that allowed it eventually, eventually. Now, I want to move us from our national thinking of our leaders to something more local. So we have a, a governor, uh, Governor Chris Sununu. We have our senators. We have our House of Representatives. We have one of the largest legis legislative bodies, uh, probably the one of the top four in the world, which is amazing, a little state like New Hampshire. But, but we need to realize that... Um, when the word of God is no longer at a place of prominence in decision-making, good-hearted people begin to make decisions that are appearing to be good and are appearing to be helpful, but in reality, without the context of the scripture, they can start thinking wrongly. And this is what was happening here with, with Paul and telling Timothy that there was some strange thinking going about, that they were making up some things. Now, that was also for the church, by the way, because that wonky thinking can happen in the church when the word of God is not the first and foremost and everything is put through the word of God. But it could also happen in our places of government. But here we're encouraged to once again to say that we hit our knees for those who are in authority over us, especially our government. Because here's the reality. I have the privilege of being uh, one of the chaplains for our state senate. And one of the things that I see and understand in our, especially our senators, by the way, they don't get paid a whole lot, $100 a year. <laughs> And they put in hours upon hours to serve the best interests of our population, of our residents of New Hampshire. And I know the good-hearted nature of these people who are trying to govern well. But as I've continued to look at it, and I've continued to look at realizing that when laws are processed, void of 
a foundation of which we know that we need to be, we need to build our lives on, but also our nation and our government and those who lead us need to build their lives on. If it's not there, some things get a little bit skewed along the way. I want to bring some things to your attention just so you know how to pray. This Thursday, our Senate and our House of Representatives will be voting on a budget for this coming year. Um, our budget's in two sections, HB1, HB2. And in this, um, in this time of going to vote, there is something that is changing this year that should be a place of concern. We have had a place, a line in the budget that has always said that in our law that um, there would be no public funding for abortion. This new budget uh, changes that to allow for there to be taxpayers' dollars used for abortions. Now, I also want to let you know this. By the way, this is not a platform for pro-life or whatever, but I do believe that God has, has value in all life. But what I'm doing is I'm giving you some examples of what is taking place in our society that we need to more earnestly pray for those who are in leadership over us, especially our government. Uh, let me just pause for a moment. I, I know what you're already saying is like, wait a second, do you realize how difficult my own life is? Do you realize my marriage, my job, my finances? Um, life is hard. And, and you want me to pray for our government? Well, I need my prayers for myself. <laughs> but I would say I want you to look 10, 20, 30 years and maybe your grandkids to realize that if, if the body of Christ stays silent, then, then what will happen is the government that is there to protect the good of us and our family will begin to take a shape and a form that will allow things to come in that then become laws that we now have to abide by. You see, one thing is we tolerate, we tolerate certain things, but the longer we tolerate it, the more that we gives permission for it to become a law. And when it becomes a law, then guess what? We're bound to the law. We have a moment. So this HB2, this language that now um, would allow taxpayers' dollars to fund abortions. By the way, did you know New Hampshire allows abortions all the way through every month through the ninth month? I bet you didn't know that. It is true. And um, it's kind of this silent thing that goes on. And, and nobody knows how many abortions are done in our state because we don't have any way of it's kind of this secret thing that goes on. Nobody tabulates, nobody uh, checks on those statistics. It's not required by our doctors. So I also wanted to let you know some other things that are, uh, that are laws that our governor has the ability to veto. Um, that we, one of the laws that are going to come in is this idea that we can place um, now on our license, not only will they have an M for male, F for female, there'll be gender X which means that you can have fluidity of gender and um, on a driver's license. So it indicates um, that there is a, a fluid gender or a transgender with gender X. Uh, I, I want to question that. I don't have, my heart is to care for people that have 
who struggle with identity. I have great compassion. I can't imagine being in somebody's shoes that every day they feel like I, I'm confused by this. And I don't know. I know my, my body, my, my physical body says a certain way, but I feel a different way. And so I have compassion on that. But the slippery slope begins to say, see, and, I, and again, I believe that our legislators are feeling this level of same compassion, but void of going back to realizing what the word of God says about humanity, that we were made in God's image and that God forms us, that when we begin to call ourselves different than when what we were made, it poses a problem to God's authority. And so here we have this. Then we also have uh, new legislation that begins to have greater um, protections for discrimination for those who have transgender, who, who are in a place of being a transgender. And I would say, again, the heart of compassion for that is good. And laws to protect all people are good, except when we begin to legislate feelings... At what point do our legislation of feelings go beyond the slippery slope of saying, you know what, I just felt like I needed to kill that person. Can you say that my feelings are wrong? You see, our feelings are emotions that change over time. And we have to continue to contend for what God's word says with great love, with great compassion, but I would say with fervent prayer. Uh, you know, there's another scripture that if we were journaling, um, actually yesterday, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul is um, again writing to Timothy and, and saying, at some point in time, I'm going to come to address the um, church in Ephesus myself, but until I come, he says in verse 13, chapter 4, 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And he says, go, goes on to say, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Do you realize that... Um, that the proclamation of God's word should be spoken and spoken often. This is why we actually have church, right? We come together not only to be in God's presence, which, by the way, thank you so much, Alicia, for bringing us to God's presence. Thank you. Where's Alicia? We give her a big hand. Thank you, Alicia. But we need to continue, contend to allow God's word. The church has a prophetic voice in our society. To, with great love, with great grace, to proclaim God's best for people. And the church does that first and foremost by starting on their knees. And I'll tell you why we have to start on our knees. Because we start on our knees to begin to have God's heart for people. See, if we don't start on our knees, we begin to then start with a position and saying, my position is right, your position is wrong, and now we are on opposite sides. 
as opposed to starting on our knees and saying, let me propose God's heart for a situation because of my great love for all people. We realize that God's word is the word that gives us prosperity and gives us life. And when we start making decisions that are opposed to God's word, it starts to take away freedom. It starts to create bondage and more hurt. And when we come to that place, then we're realizing that we're not defending an issue. We're not defending a position. We're defending the word of God, which brings freedom, hope, truth, and life. But for us to begin to stand on the word of God, we have to be in the word of God. So when Paul says that um, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture... By the way, that's just not the pastor's job. (laughs) To exhortation and to teaching. That starts in our homes. Parents, I would say, are you helping your kids wrestle through some of these societal issues that are changing um, in our world? Do you have an opportunity to say to your kids, hey, you know what? I know there's a lot of people struggling with a lot of different things in your school. Can I tell you what God says about that? And by the way, that's not then so you can point a finger at somebody who's different. It's so you can actually befriend a person and say, you know what? I'm on this journey with you. But we have a framework of of realizing how to make decisions based on God's word. But let me just go back to where we started. Paul saying, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. When's the last time you've thanked those who've served in public service? By the way, do you know your senators and, um, and House of Representatives, they, as I said, they don't make much, they're in essence volunteering. You can reach out to any one of them at any given time. I've chosen to um, build a relationship with some of our, um, to know who represents me in my town. I live in Gilmington, and so I can go on the state website, find out who they are, and I purposefully try to build a relationship. And so it gives me a permission at that point in time when I see something, because by the way, the volume of, of bills that come through our legislative arm are so incredible that it's not expected for everybody to know everything that goes on. And so when you do have a sense of saying, you know what, would you consider this? I don't know if this is really good for the people of our state. But we first do that on our knees. When's the last time you've prayed for Governor Sununu? When's the last time you've prayed for President Trump? When's the last time you've prayed for your, those who represent you in the House or your Senate, Senators? This is not a political message. (laughs) I'm just telling you what Paul says. That we should pray For those who are in high positions, I want to close with this. It's the second part of this. It's the why. 
The what is we should pray, but the why is this. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And then this, this is what God thinks about that. When we pray and we contend for peace, and we live a dignified life, godly life, quiet. This is what he says. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. So many times people say, I want to know what the will of God is. I want to know how to live pleasing to God. Well, there's a scripture right there that tells you how to please the Lord. Pray for those who govern us. Pray for those who are in authority over us. I would also say for kids, I know it's it's vacation time. Any kids in the house who want to say, it's vacation time. School's out. But when you're back in school, kids, are you praying for your teachers? They need our prayers. Specifically, this Thursday, our House and our Senate are going to be voting on HB1 and HB2, our budget for 2020. There's some challenges in that budget. One that has to do with life. And I want to encourage you, take this moment to pray. To pray for those who are in high places. Ask that their hearts would be molded and shaped, that they would be open to that still small voice. After that, even if it passes, our, our governor has the ability to uh, reject that. He has the ability, by the way, to veto, even though it's passed House and um, Senate on some of those gender, gender identity bills. Our governor can still veto those. Um, pray for our governor. He needs wisdom. He needs guidance. He needs to know that there are people upholding him. And then lastly, I would ask that as we move into a season, continue to pray for our president. He has an incredible responsibility and his responsibility affects us. We want him to lead well. We want him to lead strong. We want him to lead in a godly way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your instruction to us that to see your word continue to be proclaimed, preached, which means what you're saying is the foundation of our decisions, the foundation of life needs to be rooted in your word. But Lord, we also ask for those who lead us, who govern us. Lord Jesus, I pray for Governor Christy Sununu, I pray that he would hear your voice. I pray that he would continue to contend for righteousness. Lord Jesus, that he wouldn't be overwhelmed by the, by the pressures that I'm sure he faces. But Lord, he would respond to one voice and the voice of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for our senators. We pray for those who serve us in the house. These men and women who have volunteered their time to tirelessly serve the people of the state of New Hampshire. God, their hearts are good. 
Their hearts are noble. And Lord Jesus, we pray that in the midst of the volume of information, that they would say, I'm overwhelmed by information. Let us find what is true and right. And that they would fall to their knees and they would open up your word and say, God, give me the lamp unto my feet. Lord, we pray for our president, President Donald Trump. Lord Jesus, that you would sustain him and his family, that you would allow him to lead well. Father, for our other federal congressmen and women, Father, that serve us as well. Lord Jesus, I just pray um, for our judiciary branches as well, Lord Jesus, who make decisions for the welfare of people. Father, I pray that we would stand on your word. Father, I pray for the prophetic role of the church to be the voice of truth, the voice of reason. With great love and compassion, Father, I pray that we in this season, we would resist the temptation to make our opinion known on social media. But Lord, every single time that we have this temptation, Lord, we would fall to our knees and pray and pray. Lord Jesus, our country, our state needs you more than ever. Let the church rise up. Let our light shine brightly. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.